I've discovered that once you kick out some cinder blocks from a faulty foundation, many other previously stable things tend to be disrupted as well. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Hi, this is Brandon, and welcome to the Crucible of Thought podcast. I'm here to share things that interest me and things that I think the Lord has brought to my attention. Today's episode is titled Cinder Blocks of Faith. Every person's faith is built on a foundation. I don't think most people spend a lot of time thinking about that foundation. I'm sure that I never did. It was just there, underlying everything that I knew to be true. But as I've begun to actually think about it, I find that the foundation turns out to be quite extensive. Somewhat like a house on soft ground, the foundation in some ways may be the most massive part of the house. It penetrates deeply into the soil to reach down to the solid rock, and it extends upward so that the living areas of the house are well clear of the terrain around it. A foundation is also rather central to the form of a house. After a builder determines what he wants the house to look like, the foundation's designed to, to precisely match that house. You can't change the house arrangement without changing the foundation that holds it up. And, of course, you can't change the foundation without changing the house arrangement above it. But what happens when someone else, someone other than us, lays the foundation? In 1 Corinthians 3.10, Paul writes, Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Paul understood his role as building a foundation, not building the house itself. I think that in our walk through the kingdom, we almost always start with someone else's foundation. I don't imagine anyone who makes a choice to follow Jesus ever does so in a vacuum. Someone always has invited them in, not just to the kingdom, but also to that someone's own understanding of the kingdom. So long before we arrived on the scene, quite a few elements of our own spiritual foundation had already been laid. Events in the time that the Bible was written really started that foundation. Moses set the first layer of the foundation when he wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And Joshua and others added layers when they wrote the history books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John certainly laid much of that foundation when, when they recorded Jesus' history. Then Paul and others laid many layers of foundation on those lower layers, contextualizing and shaping what had come before. Constantine laid more of that in the 300s AD when he made the Christian faith part of the classical Roman Empire. Then over the centuries, various councils and church-related groups formed and shaped the Bible that we know today, choosing to include or even exclude certain books. The early Roman popes laid some foundation, even for us Protestants, in their structuring of the Holy Roman Empire and its many practices and traditions. Calvin, for many Protestants, laid a huge part of it in his writings and his teachings, as did many other theologians. On top of all that, our various denominations laid quite a bit of the foundation closest to us in determining how we interpret the Bible. Our parents or our spiritual mentors built on top of that foundation, and that determined how we interacted with our denomination's teaching. Our various pastors or priests or bishops further laid some foundation, refining and shaping our views of all those things that preceded us. And likely, our friends laid some of that foundation with us as we worked out our salvation in practical life together. 
So we arrive in our current life sitting atop a rather massive, extensive, and deep foundation with many, many layers. Our own faith, built on all that foundation, is deeply shaped by what lies beneath. We cannot build anywhere other than that foundation, or it'll be unsupported and shaky, and it won't survive even the slightest disturbance. And usually that's a good thing. There's a deep sense of stability to understanding where we stand, where our spiritual house is built. We feel as if we cannot be shaken. We all love the parable of the house built on the rock from Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And we try to be like the wise man. Nobody wants the wind and the waves to wash their house away. But that foundation isn't necessarily always a good thing. Consider that when we think about the house built on the rock, we tend to think of that house as being directly connected to the rock, to Jesus' teachings very directly. In our mind, there's probably not much other foundation there. We implicitly think of the rock itself as that foundation. But as I described above, there are, in fact, quite a few layers of the foundation sitting between us and that rock. And those layers are not necessarily shaped right or built solidly. Even if we don't take time to think about it, every one of those layers might have flaws, might be misshapen, or those layers might not be fully built on the rock we think they're built on. For example, if you're a Roman Catholic, you probably read a Bible with 73 books, not the 66 which most Protestants observe. So that's a rather different foundation for the two groups who both consider themselves Christian. Or if you're a Protestant, consider how things look to Martin Luther. He observed in 1517 that a lot of the foundation under which the church was operating, starting with Constantine's adoption of Christianity about 1,200 years before, was flawed. The rock was there, but Luther disagreed with quite a bit of what had been built on top of that rock. So he chose to dismantle, or maybe deconstruct, quite a few layers of the foundation that had been nearly universally accepted before he arrived. In fact, Luther didn't want to include the books of James, Hebrews, Jude, or Revelation. He built a different foundation, and as others adopted and extended it, that foundation eventually branched off into a completely different pathway, and that resulted in Protestant denominations, like the Methodists and Episcopals, Presbyterians, Baptists, who thoughtfully rejected some of those Roman Catholic foundations. But each of these had their own foundational understandings, and they were often at odds with each other. For example, some Baptists tend to interpret doctrine from only the King James Bible, which puts a certain emphasis on some foundational things that aren't necessarily accepted by other denominations. And each denomination has similar, peculiar foundations of its own. Interestingly, Luther didn't completely reject the foundation that Constantine had built. He didn't actually even reject Roman Catholicism. He wanted to reform it, not replace it. So even in that deeply shaking moment of nailing the 95 theses to the door, there were many layers that didn't shift. The Protestant rebuilding was done by others, starting from Luther's foundation, which necessarily included all the foundation underlying it. As another example, consider the disruption in Acts when God gave Peter the vision of arise, kill, and eat and required him to accept fellowship with the Gentiles. His religious worldview had been built on a certain foundation of how non-Jews were to be treated, and God shook that foundation pretty hard. It was meant to disrupt their religious system, welcoming all tribes and tongues and nations into the family of God. So Peter and the other apostles had to start pretty far down the foundation and rebuild their understanding of the kingdom and the gospel. 
And as they did so, they discovered that the Lord had always said that he intended to do just that, but the foundation built by men was misshapen, and it needed to be adjusted to fit God's plan. I've begun thinking of this foundation concept in somewhat modern terms as an extensive wall of multiple layers of cinder blocks. If you're familiar with the building trades, it's clear that not just the shape, but also the stability of the building above is determined by the shape and the stability of the foundation. If you start dislodging or repositioning cinder blocks at any level, stuff above that level just gets disrupted also. So if you poke a cinder block at the topmost level of the foundation, closest to the building itself, not much is really going to be affected. Maybe a couple feet of wall will need reinforcement. But the further back in history you go, or the further down the foundation, when you move a single cinder block, then two above it get disrupted. And then the three above those two get disrupted, and the four above those three, and so on. And the deeper down you poke at that foundation, the more disruption happens above it. In fact, if you go far enough down and you move even a single block, you may find that an entire wing of the house is suddenly not supported. It may be a beautiful room or some section of the house that's perfectly decorated and very well maintained, but you're affecting a large structure just by messing with one cinder block. When God challenged Peter's understanding of who was eligible to join the kingdom, that one fairly simple change required a fairly radical rebuilding of their theology. So I think it's pretty intimidating to most people to think about a foundation with anything other than complete confidence. We don't want to mess with what works, or at least with what appears to work. Even if we haven't thought through the interactions fully, or we have a, a native or intuitive sense that it's dangerous to poke at that foundation. One might even say we're afraid to question our foundational beliefs. And in fact, I've heard that kind of language in church circles many times. Oh, you don't want to question that. Who knows how far you'll end up going? You could lose your faith entirely. Don't risk becoming apostate. I've heard it in political discussions, too. Ooh, you might end up becoming a Democrat, or a Republican, or fascist, or socialist, or communist, or Marxist, or whatever boogeyman your particular political views regard as most dangerous or most anathema. I readily admit that I don't have proof that this is how anyone thinks, but I deeply suspect it's true based on how I felt questioning my own beliefs and how I hear others talking about such questioning. Starting in about 2019, I began hearing many prophetic voices that I trust saying, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Well, naturally, that was very intimidating. Not many people love disruption, and I sure don't. But it really should be followed by the second half of the verse, so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain, from Hebrews 12.27. Those prophetic voices were saying that God himself was after a reshaping of his people into an unshakable kingdom. Coming out of 2019 into 2020, having just undergone a personal reshaping of my own character, I began to welcome the process of shaking. It's not that I love shaking or being shaken, it's that I love truth. And I was willing to have God shake me and my assumptions so that only the parts of my character and my beliefs, which accurately reflect his glory, might remain. So I began to welcome having my beliefs challenged. What I've begun to realize is that my beliefs are not just the spiritual house which I built atop the foundation. Instead, the vast majority of my spiritual beliefs are in fact that extensive, yet almost forgotten, foundation which underlies my house. They're so deep that 
I never thought to evaluate them, to see if in fact they were pleasing to God himself. I just assumed that if I'd been given that foundation by other men and women of good character and conscience, well, then they must be correct. But the more I've poked at my foundations, the more I realized that even those who gave me my foundation were resting their own houses on the same foundation as mine. If they'd never gone through the hard, painful work of actually evaluating those foundations, all the way back to the bedrock itself, just like Luther, they might be failing to question something that actually did deserve to be questioned. And this is where the problem really arises, in my view. As I poke at the foundation, when I see a cinder block that doesn't look like God meant it to be there, if I move it, then it's naturally going to disrupt whatever rests upon it. And not many people like disruption. It's painful. It's annoying. It can be divisive. And if you've not personally undertaken to evaluate your own foundation, then you're not likely to appreciate your friend poking at the foundation. Because your house rests on the same set of cinder blocks as his, and when he tells you that some cinder block way down in his foundation needs to be moved, well, he's messing with your house too. So pushback is expected. I can't be surprised when others resist this cinder block moving process. They haven't been convicted of the need to move anything, and they very naturally see this process as full of error and likely to disrupt what appears to them to be properly built and supported. So here I am. I'm looking at each cinder block in my foundation, all the way down to the ones that rest directly on bedrock. And I'm finding quite a few of those that look out of place to me. Some are obvious, but others are very subtle. It's not so much that those cinder blocks themselves look wrong or misplaced. But instead, I'm, I'm looking all the way up at my house and finding that a number of rooms are deeply out of place or full of cracks in the walls from lack of support, or they're not serving the needs of my community and my family. By looking at the imperfect building, it's clear that something in the foundation must be wrong. As a result, I find a need to do a deep dive into what foundation is actually supporting that room or feature of my spiritual house, until I find those cinder blocks way down in the foundation that really are not where they should be. In essence, the house is revealing the flaws in the foundation. To put that into another familiar biblical analogy, I can now see that my tree is bearing some bad fruit. And I could just ask the Lord to chop off those branches bearing the bad fruit so that other healthy branches would grow. But I suspect that won't work. Since it would be growing from the same root, I know that the branch that grows in its place will have the same problem. So I have to look at the root of the tree. If a root is drawing from bad soil or bad water, I need to move that root, not the branch. And that shakes the whole tree. But that's a price I think I'm willing to pay to, to bear good fruit instead. Now, like I said, this process is perceived as disruptive, and understandably so. The church at large seems to be in a bit of uproar over this process of deconstruction. That word exploded into the wider church consciousness in the last few months, even showing up in the Twitter sphere and secular media but it's merely a word that describes this exact process I'm talking about. Moving cinder blocks in the foundation of our faith, being more interested in correcting those foundational flaws than we might be concerned about the shaking effects that it has on the house. Because ultimately, I have to choose between not disrupting the status quo or instead rebuilding my foundation so that the house is well-suited to be what the Lord wants it to be. Or in that other analogy, 
moving the roots of my tree so that I can bear good fruit. I fully understand the desire not to disrupt things. After all, the church, or the house, or the tree, are serving the needs of a lot of people. If we disrupt, we fear that the people won't be served. But I think I'm looking further out at that time in the future when things are finally correct, and I'm confident that the fruit will be greater and more pleasant, and the house will be properly ready to receive those that it's meant to shelter and warm and feed. What if, and really, what if, the people are being served poorly or inaccurately because the foundation is wrong? Are we not doing more harm than good in some cases? Is it possible that all the things we do and build on that foundation have far less value than we thought because they're not what God meant to build? So, I'm willing to go through this process of moving cinder blocks, fully aware that it's neither popular nor pleasant, because I can't see any way of becoming what I'm meant to be unless I'm willing to suffer this disruption and even be the source of discomfort for others. I'll do what I can to minimize that discomfort, but I think it's a necessary price for the greater glory of God and for his kingdom. Thanks for coming along on this ride with me. Be blessed, and we'll talk again soon.